Welcome to Growing Through Grief. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. Growing Through Grief is a weekly sprinkle of education and inspiration to help you take action that leads to personal freedom and greatness. I share powerful conversations with grief experts, spiritual advisors, and other courageous souls in this transformational podcast. I believe with the right support and the power of community, you can eliminate unnecessary prolonged grief. I'm here to teach you how to normalize, recognize, and use grief as a growth tool. I've been a champion for growth for decades since the loss of my mother. Together, we are growing. I'll give you weekly tips and small steps that will move the needle forward so that you are experiencing a healthy inner relationship with yourself. Let's get started. Hello there, and welcome to the Growing Through Grief podcast. I am your host, Diana Curtis, and I'm here to remind you that growth never stops growing, and neither should you. So today, I have a beautiful soul with me, and we're going to be sharing some tips and nuggets and information about trauma healing. With me today is Mandy Harvey, and Mandy is an inspirational speaker. She's a trauma healing guide, and her primary focus is on working with highly sensitive, overachieving entrepreneurs who are ready to transform their life, their emotional pain, and their physical pain. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you. So nice to be here with you today. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for being here. So happy that you are here. So yes, we're talking about your expertise as a trauma healing guide working with highly sensitive overachievers, right? Yes. Uh, That resonates with me. I'm not that sensitive, but oh goodness, my my term would probably not be overachiever, maybe perfection. Yes, perfectionist. Yes. 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 Perfectionist. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about you mm-hmm. or anything else you would like to share before we get started. Yeah, I think going through trauma changes our patterns, changes our behavior, changes our experiences. And one of those, which is very common, is this perfectionist experience of trying to kind of earn our love, earn our worth, earn our value through the outward doing of things and getting that validation from others. And what I really love to do, whether it's in a a talk or whether I'm working with someone one-on-one or in a group is getting the chance to shift that programming and start turning people inward to learn how to validate themselves, learn how to truly love themselves, love the body that they're in, love their health, uh, regardless of what they've experienced in the past. And it's in that shift that I see the greatest transformations in how people are able to then go about living their life in the way that they really dream about living it. 
Yes, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So learning worth and value and really looking at how we are programmed. I mean, it starts yeah. from day one, right? Parents, and the community, the teachers, the pastors. And yes, often it's very it's not very often that we're validated. So that validation piece is so, so important. So yeah. tell me, Mandy, how did you get into this work? Why trauma healing? Yes. Well, it all started because of my own experiences um, in transforming my own trauma, transforming my own health and the emotional pain. Um, I experienced early childhood trauma full of abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Um, I had to grow up at a very young age and learn how to protect myself, keep myself safe in an environment that wasn't very safe. And at the age of 14, my parents took their life. And at that moment in time, my life completely evolved. It transformed into something that I just didn't experience, know, or understand at that time. I had a new home. I was placed with a legal guardian. I had to go to a different school. Uh, My life completely changed in that moment. And you can imagine the grief that I experienced at that age. It was my telling telling a counselor at school what had been going on in my home, what abuse I had been suffering that led to them taking their lives. And so at the age of 14, because it was such a traumatic experience, I was in therapy and we were dealing with a lot of the grief and the, the guilt that I felt at that age because of their loss, because of their death. And about a year and a half of therapy every week, I got to a point where I got really tired of talking about it. It felt like I just fell down into this, this hole of so much grief and sadness and pain and suffering that I just I didn't know what to do. I, my body hurt every day. My, it hurt to wake up. It hurt to breathe. And I just, at that age of 15, couldn't imagine my life beyond this. The sadness and this grief was so intense and deep that I just couldn't imagine I'd ever get through it, that I would ever be able to live a life where I didn't have a mom to ever live a life where I had kids or a job or any of the things that I have today just was not accessible to me in that moment. And even though I was getting support, it was getting harder and harder and harder to really process what had happened. And I, at one point in my high school career around that time, decided I didn't want to be here anymore and attempted to take my own life by swallowing a whole bottle of sleeping pills. And it was during school that I did this. I walked back to school after I took all these pills and I don't remember getting back to the school. I don't remember sitting down where I was found, but the only thing I do remember is I, before I woke up, I remember just opening my eyes or feeling like I had opened my eyes and it was just this wonderful, warm, golden sense of like love and light. And I remember thinking, I've made it. 
I'm going to get to see my mom. That's all I ever, that's all I wanted in that moment in time was just to see my mom and to have her hug me and tell me it was okay. And I can remember thinking, oh, I'm going to get to see her. Yay, I've made it. And then in the next instant, I remember feeling pressure on my chest and I was being pushed away from that. And I, all I heard were the words, it's not time. And then I woke up and it was the end of the school day and the bell was ringing. And I remember looking around going, what? Like, I was just there. I was just there and I didn't get to see her and I'm here and I don't want to be here. You know, I can remember feeling this like intense anger, like what just happened? Um, I made it home and I was very sick and I called 911 and I was admitted to an ICU for a period of time so that they could watch me and monitor my health. And then I was admitted to a mental institution for about 12 weeks where I was diagnosed with PTSD and put on medication. And that really was the start of my healing journey. Now, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like a straight shot from there to here. Healing happens in layers, you know. So my high school career, I spent um, seeing multiple therapists and psychologists and on medication and um, processing just the grief and the PTSD that I was experiencing at that time, you know, and then I grew up, got married, had kids, started to experience some flashbacks to the abuse that I was suffering as a child, went through therapy to process that. And I have seen multiple therapists over the last 30 years since this happened. But it wasn't until I really started going and processing the trauma in my body that I actually started to see a big difference. So I had been talking about what I had experienced. I have talked about it ad nauseum and, you know, thought I was processing things along the way, but it wasn't until I had this big meltdown with my youngest daughter where she was just aggravating me to no end. And I blew up at her and it just wasn't who I was as a parent. That wasn't who I wanted to be as a parent. And it really triggered me to start to seek a different type of therapy. And so I started to seek out somatic experiencing, which is a body-based type of therapy. And within, you know, a couple of years, I had processed more trauma from and released it, released that energy from my body than I ever had. And so it was through this experience that I really started to understand and realize that and feel like I had gone through this for a reason that, you know, I didn't just go through this just to go through it. And I came to the other side of it to really be an advocate for adults who've experienced childhood trauma and give them potential and hope and a, a place of resource and healing so that they can too experience what it's like to transform their pain into purpose. Mm. A powerful, powerful yeah. story. Yes. I love that. There's so many layers that you just shared. But in summary, we tend to rely on, and there's a space and time for all of this, the medical community, the drugs, therapy. But at the end of the day, this powerful, magnificent body Mm -hmm. that we live in 
Yes. That sometimes get abused by the ones that supposed to love and take care of us. Yet this body, which is the temple, which is the vessel for something so much powerful, more powerful inside of us. Yeah. Can also be used to heal us. Yes. So using the body to yes. heal is what worked for you. Mm -hmm. Hmm. The suicide, the feeling guilt, wanting so much to be with mom, one of the people who abused you yet. Yeah. I want my mommy. Yeah. Nothing and no one. I know this from experience, losing my mother as a three-year-old. And there are people, surrogates, been in my life to support me and help me, but there's absolutely no one that can replace a mother's love. Yes. Now, I can't imagine what it's like when mom has not been so kind. Yeah. I think a child, before you can, I think, really understand the dynamic between someone's behaviors and actions and innately just being a light and love of, of the universe of God, you know, before you can truly understand the differences between the two, I think children, children, as children, we want, we, we need our caregivers. We need that safety. We need that validation. We need that protection and our body will override the lack of safety for that connection it will override, you know, the pain and the suffering because we really just want that love and affection. And so it took me a while to really understand. And it was a journey. You know, at first I, I would debate anyone that would say that she was, um, she made bad choices. And I would say, no, you know, she's my mom. And then, then I would get to a point where I was really angry at her and I could see the, abuse and the neglect from an adult's eyes. And I could see the choices she was making, the, the men she was choosing over the safety of her child. And there, there was anger there, but now I've gotten to a point in my healing where I can truly separate the behavior and the actions she took. And I understand it was because of her own childhood. I understand it was because of her own experiences she never got to heal that. So she was living and operating through what she knew, which wasn't healthy, but that's, that's her story. But at, and at the end of the day, I know she was also a light and love of the universe and of God. And she did love me and she showed her love in a very different, unhealthy way, unfortunately, but she loved me. And there were moments in time where we were just together as mom and daughter experiencing that love. And those were the moments that I could lean on when I was in my healing process. Yeah. I love that you said we often, we, we want that parental love so much, you know, there's that attachment to our parents. And one of the greatest childhood trauma is not to have a caretaker mirror back to us as children who we are, our expressions, our yes. emotions. And sometimes we spend the rest of our lives seeking that. Yes. It's all about attachments as opposed to authenticity. 
Yes. Yes. Fit in. Mm -hmm. People pleasers. Do what I need to do to be able to fit into this community. Yes. The situation is. So I love that you said at some point in your life, you were able to separate your mom's trauma and childhood experiences from who she really was at the core, at the essence yeah. of who mom was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So as a trauma healing guide, why do you think trauma healing is so important? Well, I think just looking at the, my past experience and the people I've worked with, we we tend to repeat what we know. And so if we grew up in an experience where we experienced or had childhood trauma or there was neglect, or even maybe you had parents that were present, but maybe they didn't know how to meet your needs the way you really needed your needs to be met, all of those imprint on us. And then we start to shift our patterns and our behaviors to try to get those needs met in other ways just like we were talking about. And we will repeat that pattern because innately we're trying to fulfill and complete something that didn't get completed in our childhood. And oftentimes, the more that we do that, the more that we experience suffering. I'm going to take a drink of my tea here. Sure. The more we will experience suffering and we will experience that suffering as shame as guilt, as something's wrong with me. (laughs) I can't get X, Y, or Z. And that shame, that guilt, that, that emotional pain can take a toll on our bodies. It can deteriorate our immune system. It can deteriorate our energy and our vitality. And pretty soon it is this kind of cycle where we get to a point where all of a sudden we don't have the energy. We do, we wake up tired. We maybe have gut problems. We might have autoimmune conditions that are flaring up. We're unhappy. We're unhealthy. And really the key to shifting that and turning that all around really is taking the time to go back to the root of where these all started, which is you know, our past traumas. And so it's so important in my eyes to heal this because then we can start to shift how we show up for ourselves and how we show up for others, for our families, for our children, and start to shift those patterns in future generations. Mm. Yeah. I think it's also important to accept what is those patterns, those behaviors, they're really coping mechanisms that we Mm -hmm. use as children, you know, we knew we couldn't speak up and say whatever we wanted to say at the time. That's how we protected ourselves. So being careful to not judge it so harshly, but accept it, be grateful for that's what it took to get to where we are today. And it's, it protected me. Absolutely. You know, but yes, going back to those roots and, Most people will say, well, I don't want to relive the pain of it all. Well, this is my response to them. You are reliving it. Yes. In the current moment. Yes. Right. Yes. (laughs) So let's just do it in a more effective way. You know, you be in control of how you relive it as opposed to allowing it to be in control of you. So absolutely. 
I think you would say everyone does have uh, trauma in their past, right? I believe so. Yes. I believe so. You know, it can be the big, big T's like what I've experienced, the suicides, the abuse, the neglect, or it could be the small T's of just not feeling validated um, or having, you know, like I said, having parents who were around, but maybe they just weren't able to really meet your needs. All of those can be traumatizing. We all have different uh, nervous systems. So what might be traumatizing to me maybe it's different for you and everyone else listening. So I think one of the things I really hope people understand is not to judge what traumatizes them and dismiss it. Like, well, it, it, no big deal. It was fine. You know, it, it's nothing like, you know, Mandy went through or what, whomever, what you've experienced is what you've experienced. And regardless of whether someone else might find it traumatizing or not, it was impactful to you. And that's what matters. And so I just want to make sure we call that out too, as we're talking about the compassion and the grace for ourselves. So what are some in your practice, what are some of those patterns and behaviors that are showing up partly due to past childhood trauma? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've talked about some of them. Um, They would be things like constantly doubting yourself um, or every choice that you make, maybe not being able to make a decision, um, feeling really intensely uh, struggling to make a decision, small or big, Um, could be experiencing anxiety, stress, overwhelm on a constant basis to the point where you feel like you just cannot handle anything that life uh, presents to you. Could be chronically people-pleasing, including with your family members, friends, or people you work with. Uh, Lack of boundaries with your time and energy, I think is a really big one where you're over giving of your space, time, and energy when really people are able to take advantage of that. You know, having a fear of abandonment. So maybe holding on to friendships or um, relationships that are no longer aligned um, that may be damaging to your energy and your ability to heal. Uh, Seeking externally for all of the answers is another big one I see. And we've talked about that, that kind of perfectionism. And then the biggest one that I see, and this is because I work with people from a health perspective as well, but it's the chronic health issues, the chronic fatigue, the digestive disorders, the autoimmune conditions that uh, just seem to kind of continue to pile on top of one another um, to the point where maybe you have absolutely no energy. Yeah. So you're bringing a, a, a lot of different insight around the need to be perfect, you know, the perfectionist. And I say that because that's, well, that used to be me. I've grown a lot in that area. You know, do it over until I get it right. It has to be yeah. all the, you know, everything just, just right. Even the way I clean my house. Oh my gosh. I can totally relate. I would, you know, I had kids, I have four kids. And during the summertime when they would be home from school, the house would be a mess. Right. And I could not handle that. I would constantly be cleaning things up. Everything had to be perfect. The pillows had to be fluffed. The, you know, the dinners had to be perfect. The, you know, the kids clothes had to be, you know, like everything around me 
had to be perfect. And I got really obsessive about it for a period of time until I started to really heal my past. And looking back now, I see where I wasn't able to ask for the help I needed. I was doing it all on my own. I was trying to put on this like mask of like, I've got it all figured out. I'm doing this amazing stuff, but I really should have been asking for the help I needed. Yeah. That's, that's an issue for me too. I've never wanted anybody to do anything for me, but as you, as you begin to heal all of that, just like it comes forward, right? Yes. Like I'm able to receive now. Yes. Yes. Bring it on. Yes. (laughs) I'm able to receive now. Yes. So what are some mistakes that you see people making when they're healing from unresolved trauma, unresolved grief? What, what mm. are you seeing in your practice? Yeah, I see people, one of the big mistakes I see is people are rushing it. So they want to, you know, they come to a session or they, you know, seek my support and they say, you know, I have this one thing and I just want to like, get through it, get it done. And then, you know, I just, a <laughs> couple sessions will be good. Right. Um, and I, I always use the analogy of baking cookies, you know, so if you're baking chocolate chip cookies, you can bake them at 600 degrees. And what's going to happen is they're going to cook fast. They're going to be a burnt mess and they're going to taste really gross. But if you've got the right temperature and the right time, they come out really wonderful and delicious. And, I like to think about trauma healing that way, that it doesn't have to be traumatizing. And I think some people really um, stay away from healing or past because they're worried about that re-traumatization. It doesn't have to be that way. If we take it slow, if you honor your nervous system and you start to regulate your nervous system slowly and in increments, you will build up the capacity and the tolerance to be able to handle maybe some more intense things but you have to take it at the right time and you've got to honor your body, you know, hustling and pushing it up to that point maybe worked to some degree, but it doesn't work with healing trauma. It's a, it's a slower process. It's a marathon, right? Not a, not a sprint. And so um, that's the biggest mistake I see people making is coming in with this idea around, I'm just going to tackle this one thing, <laughs> we're gonna get out of here in a couple of sessions and I'll be good, right? It's like, no. Are you feeling invisible? Are you sliding through life feeling hopeless and wishing someone would come along and save you? Is it time to stop wishing and time to get busy living life, creating what you desire? living a victorious life of fulfillment in a community with other compassionate hearts, healing, growing, transforming into your greatest potential. Sign up now for the next course, Growing Through Grief System, a holistic and compassionate approach to limitless growth and healing. Visit www.coachingtotheheart.org to learn more. Celebrate yourself, your life, and your legacy. We are growth seekers, mastering the game of life and creating a different reality beyond grief and loss. I used to have so much resistance to the one-off and, you know, let's do an an appointment, a session, and then I might see you a few months out. 
I had so much resistance to that. And then I began to, people started really asking me, why not, Diana? And even though I still, I understand there's no microwave type healing that requires some time. We've had this energy in our bodies for decades from childhood. Then the, the questions kept coming. Can you do sessions with me? And I sort of gave in because the thought became if they can just get some relief, mm-hmm. some relief for this one day, this right now moment, then that's okay too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, Absolutely. To that, <laughs> I, I gave into it. So, and you mentioned that it doesn't have to be so hard. The healing yeah. process, you reminded me of one approach that I use, a tool, uh, compassionate, we talked about it, compassionate inquiry, mm-hmm. where it's just so gentle. It's mm-hmm. so comforting. There is compassion and people will not share who they are if they don't trust you, if you're not expressing or creating an environment of compassion, you know, that yeah. we don't want to re-traumatize. They've already yeah. been through that. They don't want that again. We don't yeah. re- want to remind them of their abusers. So yeah, just witnessing. Sometimes it's just witnessing mm-hmm. the pain, just being there, just listening and holding the person emotionally, energetically, which a lot of us didn't get as children, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a similar approach with me when I work with someone as a somatic experiencing practitioner myself, um, that modality is very body-based. And so before we even tackle anything traumatic or anything triggering, I will spend a lot of time helping someone understand what, where their nervous system is in this present moment you know, where we can often, our nervous system can get stuck either in the on position or the off position in our nervous system. And that will present in different ways. We might be really tired and sluggish, or we might be really hyperactive and revved up and kind of um, go, go, go mentality. But before we can go into healing anything, we have to understand where we're at today and what we need in this moment to bring relief to the nervous system. Because if we go right into the the well of trauma, where we're at today will often backfire and we will experience more intense emotion, or we might get into a freeze state where we feel like we can't do anything, or, you know, we might feel those innate responses to want to run or get angry and fight. And so we have to really in my work, I really honor that nervous system and say, okay, where are you today? And can we build up what I call resources to calm your nervous system before we go into the the well of things? So for the listeners who've never heard the term somatic, Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about that body-based. Yeah. So Um, Peter Levine is the originator of this work, and there's thankfully a lot of research and a lot of information out online today, Um, a lot of videos on YouTube if you wanted to really dive into this amount of work. But this somatic experiencing is a method of trauma healing that really 
focuses more on the body's story of the trauma experience than on the mind's story. So we often have two different stories running and it's the body where we hold the trauma and we hold that in our tissues. And we know this because if you were to think about something that was upsetting to you in the past, you might all of a sudden start to feel a tight stomach or tension in your shoulders, or maybe your breathing gets really shallow. We have a physical reaction to it. And so this modality really honors that, that physical reaction to the experience that was traumatizing. And we slowly uncouple and un, unconnect the experiences in our body uh, opening up space in our body to, for that energy and to release. And so that's done just, um, through session, uh, in a one-on-one session or group sessions where we're paying a lot of attention to our nervous system. And as, as we're talking about something, if we start to notice we're getting triggered, we stop, we allow, we sit with that in the nervous system. We do maybe some techniques to bring some relief we help you balance that nervous system. And then we might go a little deeper. Um, but it's a very gentle, very, very sweet process. In my opinion, um, I've been through a lot of different types of trauma therapists. I've been through many over my, over the years of healing. And there've been some that I felt afterwards, I was like, you know, going home, feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And, you know, I would need days to recover. And I love somatic experiencing because it's so gentle and sweet that it really allows you to heal decades of, of programming, decades of trauma in a very gentle way, uh, a way that allows you to still operate in your life, a way that gives you um, release so that you can start to, um, have compassion and, um, grace for yourself. Yeah, that's exactly what compassionate, uh, inquiry is and the, the safeness that you just, mm-hmm. about, it just brings you back to a place of love. Yes. Waiting is seeking us, you know, our center is always seeking us to come back, but yeah. the pain and the experiences that love is covered up. And when you go through those somatic experiences, it's like, oh, wow, everything looks different. It feels different. Yes. Yes. You start to feel like all of a sudden you're lighter. Yeah. And yeah, you feel a difference in your body as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about trauma first, then the grief process the trauma is based on, you know, what happened, what's going on inside of you. Yeah. And whatever the loss is will move you to a place of grief, whether it's the loss of your innocence, the yeah. loss of your parents, the yeah. loss of a normal childhood. Yeah. So losses, losses, losses. And, you know, we're so good at winning stuff. We, we've mastered how to win, but we just don't know what to do when they are losses. Yeah. Losses. So there's the trauma, there's the loss, whatever. And then there's the grief process. And when we can't have it back, we grieve it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What you say that was places that you went when you said you were like in a hole, you went down in a hole. There was a lot of grieving of what you wish 
and what you yeah. you deserved as a little girl, as a teen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think at that point in my life, you know, I've grieved multiple times <laughs> over the years, um, yeah. at, at different times in my life at, for different reasons in my past. Yeah. I think, you know, as a teenager, it was a lot of grieving of this, the normalcy, even though the normalcy for me was trauma and neglect, that was still my normal. That was what I knew that was safe. I didn't know anything else beyond that. And so to have a different home, to have a different caretaker, to have a different um, school, um, to have a different town, to, you know, all of these things, I was really grieving this, the loss of my life, the loss of um, my mom, you know, the loss of what I perceived to be normal. And um, over the years I've grieved my mother in many different ways, you know, just this past um, Mother's Day, actually, I was grieving her in a different way than I had in years past. You know, sometimes years past, I had been angry and I was just grieving that she wasn't here and like, oh, I'm so upset. I don't have a mom to just like celebrate this day with. But for me this year, it was like grieving, grieving the, the loss for my daughter. And then my daughter doesn't get to know her grandmother and the loss for my son. My son doesn't get to know his grandmother. And, you know, so I think grief for me has been like an ebb and flow process. Um, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Right. And when it's, when it's there, I welcome it. And I have seen it enough where I know when I'm grieving and I can say, I see you. I see why you're so sad right now. And I'll put my hand on my heart, you know, and just give myself some love and I'll sit with that grief and just feel the weight of that sadness and know that it's okay to be sad. I have good reason to be sad and I'm, you know, worthy, even though I'm sad, I'm lovable, even though I'm sad. And I allow that sadness to just be there and witness it, notice where I hold it in my body, notice what my body feels like when I'm grieving. And before I know it, it will pass. And there will be a memory that comes up that is, you know, beautiful and brings me so much joy and gratitude for the times that I remember being happy. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about emotional pain, physical pain. I know that you also do some work around nutrition. Yeah. And how that too can be used to heal the body, you know. Yes. Talked a little bit about craving the sugar craving and really sitting still to identify what is it really I'm craving? Do I really want that candy bar? Is something else going on inside of me? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Share a little bit about how your work interacts with nutrition and trauma healing. Yeah. As I became a young adult, I um, started to experience many chronic health issues. I had anxiety, I had stress, depression, um, but those started to rapidly turn into um, diagnoses. So I have thyroid disease, I have diabetes, and it was through my own journey of recovering my health that I started to see the importance of and the impact that specific nutrients can have on your body when you, when you're looking to heal. So I became a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, and in my work, 
when I work with someone long-term, especially, um, we will look at, um, as they are starting to go into some deeper places in their past or their nervous system might be dysregulated to some degree, we'll also look at ways to nourish themselves that can support their bodies natural healing abilities. Um, so that might be small adjustments to their diet. Um, that might be big adjustments to their diet. That might be a supplement. But the things that I see the most um, in the people that I work with is adrenal exhaustion. So our adrenals are the organ that pump out our stress hormones. And when we've experienced early childhood trauma, we were under a big deal of stress at that point in our life. And it changes our biology to the point where our bodies become more uh, more sensitive to stress, and they will react faster to stress. So essentially, we be- our bodies become rewired to get stressed faster and faster and faster, and eventually that depletes the energy of our adrenal glands. So it's like you know running your car on empty, no gas. At some point, you're going to crash. And our adrenal glands are kind of that way. We will, if we're constantly in this high stress state for our whole life, they will burn out and we will start to experience exhaustion and digestive dysfunction and those things. So we, I will incorporate things that help support the adrenals, things that help support the gut, um, things that help support maybe the liver um, because we hold a lot of anger and anxiety in our livers. And so it'll be specific nutrients that I will add into the time that I work with someone that helps helps to support their body so that when we start talking and going into any more trauma depth of their, their past, that their bodies can handle that release. Um, if we release something and our body's not really prepared, or it's all, it's also in a state of inflammation, it's like we are swimming in toxicity. We're swimming in that inflammation and our bodies may not be able to hold that. And so the incorporation of nutrients and specific foods to help the body really does um, give it the opportunity to release that stuff out of your body once and for all, instead of having it just live and, and circulate inside. That's great. So we have nutrition, we're using the body to heal. What's one tip you would like to share with the listeners who are dealing with unresolved trauma? Yeah. My biggest tip really is, and we've talked about this uh, already, um, but it's really just whether it's a hand on your heart or it's a hand on your forehead or a hand on your belly, just really showing your body a lot of love and compassion for all that it has taken you through all these years of supporting you without being asked, without being told how to do it. Your body has carried you through so much And your body is also the place of your deepest healing. Mm -hmm. And so I would just suggest and invite everyone to place your hand somewhere on your body that feels really compassionate, loving, and just give yourself some love every day. That could just be saying something like, I hear you body. I see you. I love you. Could be something more intuitive that makes sense for you, but just start to really show your body some love and compassion for all that it is doing to keep you safe, to keep you surviving and to get you to this point. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
Yeah, so time moves really quickly. So in the last few seconds here, what would you like to share with the listeners in terms of what you're up to? Your information will be in my show notes, your social media, your website, all that good stuff. Is there one thing that you would like to share with the community? Well, yeah, I think all of those places are great places to follow me on social media, on my website. I have doing, I'm doing some reworking on my website. So there will be some new freebies on there to check out. I will also be launching a group program here in the next couple of months. So if that sounds of interest or you want to follow along, you know, please reach out. I'm happy to share those details. But yeah, everything that you need in terms of getting a hold of me is um, going to be online or on my website. I'd love to connect and uh, support you in any way that I can. Yes, yes. So thank you, Mandy. Yeah, thank Thank you. Saying yes. Lots of information to the listeners. You may have to pause and rewind to hear it again to get some of the tips that Mandy um, has shared. And I'm going to say thank you, listeners, as well. And you know my mantra, just keep growing. Growth never stops growing, and neither should you. I'll see you same time next week. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, Please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.